You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, gals, welcome to The Devoted Podcast. So glad you guys have found us yet again. We are in the closet. And when I say we, I'm not talking about myself in the third person, although I do do that a time or two. But my husband, Chris, is joining us again. Hello, everybody. Hello, Chris. So we are yet again doing another Raising Men. I know this series is kind of drug out. And you know what? We could still be dropping in Raising Men episodes from for years on now because it really matters how we how we just are intentional about raising our kiddos. And Chris and I were just even talking about all the things that you often say, oh, we'll do this when they're fill in the blank. You know, we'll do this when they're just a little older. We'll do this when they're... And you know, before you know it, they're a little older, or in our case, a lot older. And you're like, oh, man, you know, you can let it miss you. So what my prayer is for these episodes is for, you know, for you gals that are raising kiddos, especially these little guys that are just going to play an important role in how they lead their families and their churches someday. And don't minimize the effect and the role that you have as a mom or a grandma or an aunt, whoever who whoever of those little men you have in your lives right now, don't minimize the impact that you can have in their lives. And we need to be really building up our men today of all ages. And I, I think that that's something that a biblical woman will look for ways to do that. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is in the area of finances. And that makes it sound like we're going to do a really academic and and super smart podcast. But this is one of these things that is super, super practical. And it starts early. It starts with what we tell our kids at the very first moments about uh, when they are old enough to actually have money and what the role is for it there. So I wanted Chris to jump in on this because as I've told y'all gals many times before, he has played a very active role with our boys in teaching them very practical things, but things also that are principles of the word on them being providers someday and of just instilling in them really good habits and things that we're hoping they carry all the way out, all the way through their life. But as I have often made this disclaimer, please, please, please do not hear like, well, Chris and Amy's kids are perfect. And Chris and Amy have always done all these things perfectly. No, we totally have not. And there's there's things sometimes that we'll even talk about. They're like, man, we wish we had done that a little bit better in in things. But it's it's the same thing that I give you guys the advice on 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 like, well, I guess it's too late or what? No, just because I might have missed the mark on something doesn't mean that there isn't some value in that. And and maybe somebody else can even learn from mistakes that I've made on on things like that. So please hear all of these things that we say with that heavy disclaimer. Yeah, I would love to underscore that too because yeah. there I so many times I will be sitting, you know, reflecting on the job that we've done as parents or I've done as a dad and just thought, "Oh man, you know, I haven't done this well enough or I've I've forgotten about that and we're all just human and, you know, trying to do the best that we can and I think the goal for this series, the Raising Men thing, is to share some things that we've done that we feel like have worked and some things that we've done that haven't worked. And hopefully that can spur your thinking to come up with your own things, you know, or try out some of the stuff that we're talking about. But but absolutely agree. Do not think that this is coming from a place of we've got this all nailed down and and we're experts on this. There's probably great books out there that you should read if you want to talk to somebody who's an expert on these things. But the thing that we love to do, though, is we love to see how the how scripture underscores all of these things that we talk about, you know, work ethic. We've talked about that a lot. It'll probably come in today. You know, there's so many things that the Bible is is actually very pointed about. And those are things that we just shouldn't ignore. And it's, sometimes it's funny that we, we think that there isn't as clear of a link, I think, sometimes between even things like discipline and 
you know, working hard and not being lazy and those kinds of those. We see those scriptures, but then we forget that those actually very much are work themselves into things like our finances and how we view money and all of that kind of stuff. So we get to look at those things and teach our kids those things at a really young age. So, Hun, why don't you just kind of start us out? How, where do you want to where do you want to start this? So I think it was the first one of the series where we talked about kind of work and what it meant to you know help raise your boys. And, and this is focused on raising men, but I think, you know, the principles apply to girls as well, raising women, godly women. It's just so happens that we have three boys. And so my... My practice, my experience has been exclusively with the male gender. And so that's what we're going to pretty much limit this to. But I think these principles apply regardless. But so inevitably, when you are doing work, then money is going to follow. And so I think that's a key part of raising men in this day and age is teaching them how to have the right relationship with money teaching them the right practices with money, how to think about money in the right way. And one of the most important things that I think that we can do to help in this is to talk about money. I think it's one of those things that most families just don't talk about. It's like the taboo topic of the family And I'm not totally sure why that is. Uh, I know it's a very sensitive thing for a lot of people. But if you don't talk about it, how are your kids ever going to know what they are supposed to think about money? Yeah, I've even wondered, and we've talked about this before, Hunt, about how much of this is even a generational thing, you know, and and maybe it's not this way as much for like our kids generation. But the way you and I were raised, man, you did not talk about money. And yep. and and I think always the heavy scripture on my mind is you know when it says that the what is it the root of evil the love of money is the root of all evil. And we have sometimes we don't interpret that correctly to make to make a link to say that money is evil. Well, that's mm-hmm. not what it's saying. Right. But it's saying that the love of money is so perhaps the pendulum swang so far the other way that it was like man we shouldn't even talk about it and then maybe we'll avoid that really scary scripture. Yeah, so I think that your kids ought to know what your salary is. I think they should know what your house payment is, what the car payment is. They need to know how much a cell phone bill costs and what, you know, the the Northwest natural gas bill or your electric bill or whatever because otherwise they are going they're in for a rude awakening when they move out of the house for the first time and suddenly start realizing how much things cost. Now, I think that you need to use an appropriate amount of discretion, and there have been plenty of times over the years where we've had to reinforce to our kids, like, this is not something that you share outside of our family. This is for your own benefit and education, but I think it's an important part of that education, that they understand the way that money works, because there is absolutely a financial system in our country and in this world, and they are going to participate in that financial system. So they need to be prepared and understand how it works so that they can navigate it successfully. And, you know, you guys probably listen to some of this going, man, you guys seriously talk about a lot of really boring stuff at your house. And that probably (laughs) is true. (laughs) But here's the thing. When it comes to particularly raising men, we take this part really seriously because Biblically, it does point to men being providers for their families and, um, you know, even links all the way back to Genesis when it talks about the curse that was given there to to men and to women. It hit them in their natural order of things. You know, the curse hit women in childbirth and that there would be pain in that because that is the natural order for women that we're going to have kids. And for men, it hit them in the natural order of things. It hit them in the fact that they would be working. They would be tilling the soil. They would be they would be doing things to provide for their family. Now, that is not to say that women don't provide in similar in, or in some sometimes similar, sometimes different ways. There is a definitely a provision role that takes place in caring for our homes and, and our families in different ways and in different seasons. But it can't be denied that that this is something that is important for men to understand. And so we want to raise our boys to understand that they have a 
a really serious role in providing. And so, yeah, we give them a lot more information than they probably want. We'll probably share some crazy ideas that we do when they're in high school a little bit later here. But like Chris said, age appropriate, you have to have discernment on what kinds of conversations you have when, but really think about them. Yeah, I mean, First Timothy five eight, I think, is a classic passage for this, uh, which says, "If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever." Those are incredibly strong words from Paul when it comes to the way that we are to take provision that we earn through work and use it to take care of our family. And so, you know, when you're talking about raising men, that is a concept that needs to be ingrained in them at an early age so that they understand this is expected of you biblically, not Mm -hmm. just societally. So at a pretty young age, kids are going to get into a position where they start earning money. And I use earning loosely. We could be talking about allowance, which is not really something that we ever did with our kids. But but I, I think it's a great idea. You know, I certainly had that when I was a kid. Um, I got paid five bucks for mowing the lawn. So allowance, or maybe it's like birthday money or whatever, like kids at a pretty young age start earning money. And so I think If they're old enough to earn money, and again, I'm using that term in quotes, then they're old enough to understand the concept of tithe. And there might not be anything with with this whole topic that we're going to talk about. There might not be anything that is more important that you could help your kids hugely down the road if you can teach them this from the very earliest age. My parents did an amazing job of this. And so for me, tithing was, is, has never one time been a difficult thing. Like I've never had the, oh man, I've got to tithe right now because it just has always been part of my experience. And I think as soon as your kids are earning money, it's time to sit down and have that conversation with them. And, you know, I think that you biblically, we can look back to the story of Abraham and Melchizedek in Genesis 14, where it says that Abraham gave him a tenth of everything that he that he had gotten. And I think that's an interesting picture right there. Melchizedek as a picture of Jesus Christ. And so I think there's a good model there. I think Malachi 3.8 is another classic passage with regards to tithe. But even in the New Testament, in Luke eleven forty two, we kind of see Jesus putting his stamp of approval on tithe. Like he's he makes it clear this is something that you should do. Now Jesus, I think, does a good job talking about the heart behind it, and really in that passage, he's talking to the Pharisees and saying, "You guys should be tithing, but you shouldn't be doing all this weird stuff where you're separating out your spices and your mint and that kind of thing." But clearly, tithing is talked about throughout the Bible. And so teaching our kids like, hey, this 10% of what you're getting is not yours. Mm -hmm. And that was a, a term that I tried to really drive into our boys was you're not paying tithe. We pay taxes, but you're not paying tithe. You're giving tithe. Because it's not a charge from the Lord. It's not like the Lord is sending you an invoice that you have to pay. No, you are giving back that which is already the Lord's. When we're talking about paying taxes, well, the the money that you make is not the government's money. That is your money. You are paying taxes for the rights and privileges of being an American citizen or, you know, citizen of Oregon or whatever. But with the Lord, you are giving tithe because that's not yours to begin with. And helping them to understand that, I think, is is really valuable. And so when they get that money for, from, for their birthday or whatever, like showing them, here's what we do. The first thing we do is we take 10% of this and we set it aside. And I'm a big believer in having your kids put it into the little box or the bucket at church or whatever, helping them to experience that, because I think that is an important thing to to teach them that, hey, this is actually an act of worship. This is a way that we are not only obedient to what the Bible tells us, but we do this as an expression of our worship. 
And I think you brought up the passage in, in Malachi because the language in there is that if you are not doing these things, it says in there that that you rob me. And and you can like a kid can get that and they can. That's a kind of a scary thing. They could go, man, I would be robbing God. I mean, even a little child is going to get. Yeah, I don't I don't want to do that. And so it's really good, very clear language on how we should rightly view that portion of our money that isn't even ours to begin with. So as long as we're talking about the kind of the percentages, you know, I think when you are teaching them about the tithe, then you can also teach them the concept of saving, which is also a biblical concept, you know, and I think probably the quintessential example of this from the Old Testament is the story of Joseph and storing up the grain during the good years so that there was grain for people and everybody didn't starve to death in the bad years. What a great lesson right there around the importance of saving our money. And so if you can teach your kids like 10% is the Lord's and then let's take whatever the number is, 20% or something for savings and, and helping them to know like this is for later. This is for things down the road that that you're going to want to have some money for. And then everything else, hey, let's have fun. Let's go buy that toy that you've wanted or or whatever. But the goal is to help them think about money appropriately and understand that when I get money, this is the way that I need to treat it in my mind. This is the Lord's, this is for later, and this I can spend right now. I guess one other verse that I might throw out there with respect to tithe, and this is really helping your kids. I mean, in in all of these things when we're teaching, right, we want to teach our kids the philosophical, like what's the mindset that they need to have, but then also the practical. So if this is true, if this philosophical thing is true, then this is what we ought to do, you know, practically. So philosophically, if we're supposed to tithe, then practically we need to set aside 10% of the money that we've made. I think a wonderful day in a boy's life is the first time that they get a paycheck and it needs to be celebrated. That's a big deal. And it's, it's one of those things that they are going to, it's going to be a reality of their life for pretty much the rest of their life, you know, or at least a, a, the majority of it. And I think there's a wonderful opportunity to sit down with them and go through a couple of things that I think are super important. One of them is the concept that, yes, you worked hard to earn this money. That is something that should be celebrated and reinforced and all of that, but balanced by what Psalm 24.1 talks about, which is the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So yes, you worked hard and that money is yours, but ultimately it's the Lord's. And I think that's a super important concept for our boys specifically to really latch on to. Kind of a supporting passage to this that I think is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible, actually, comes from Deuteronomy 8. And I would encourage you to read that whole chapter because it's so awesome. But specifically, verse 17 is so great, which says, You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And with all my boys, the first time they brought home a paycheck, I went over that passage with them because it's one of those things that, yes, you worked hard and let's celebrate that because isn't that awesome. But remember, ultimately, it's the Lord. He's the one who even gave you the ability to go do that work physically, mentally, all of those things. And remember, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I love in it's in Second Corinthians 9, 6 and 7, where it talks about how we want to give. And it says that God loves a cheerful giver. And it points to what what does our heart look yeah, like? Yeah, the heart needs to be there. Yeah, you, you don't want to, we don't want to teach our kids that, okay, well, yeah, there's these bills have to be paid. This tithe has to be done. But teaching them a joy behind it. And I got to say, for parents, that's going to be modeled by you guys. You know, if you approach your finances with just 
always with stress and the tide, like if you approach that with a, a, you know, kind of a more of a stingy heart, they're going to see that too. So this is the thing where there's, there is some caught, not taught stuff in here. And, and I know that financial stuff can be so stressful in homes sometimes. And so sometimes some of these conversations that we're having in, in regards to kiddos, we might need to internalize some of this for ourselves, you know, and just kind of examine how you are doing with viewing your money and viewing the 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 wealth that the Lord has given you and that it is the Lord's. Sometimes we need that perspective change too because that is going to be the thing that our kiddos are going to see. And even if we say all the right things and if we read all the right scriptures to them, but then they see it on you differently, they're going to notice that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to lack credibility. That's right. The other passage that I take them through when they get their first paycheck is 1 Timothy 5.18, which says, For the scripture says, Do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. So in that passage, Paul is quoting from both Deuteronomy and he's quoting Jesus, actually. So there's two things that, that I try to drive home with that. Number one, you know, son, this money, you are entitled to this money because of the work that you did. And I'm really anti-entitlement, so I use that term very carefully, but I think it's an important one so that they understand this is this is the thing that prevents them from later in life from getting taken advantage of by mm. someone. They need to understand that if they've worked hard for something, they are due something in return. This also helps them later if maybe the shoe's on the other foot and someone is doing work for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they need to make sure that that they're taking care of that person. So I think, you know, that and that's kind of the first thing, the whole don't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. In other words, like that that ox deserves to eat while it's doing this work. And and Jesus is making that point as well with his disciples when he's sending them out. He's saying, hey, the worker deserves his wages. That actually comes from Luke 10, 7. But the other key kind of philosophical thing that I want them to understand when they get that first paycheck is that a paycheck tells you the value of your work, not the value of you. Mm. And that is something that I think you see adult men totally not understanding and where suddenly it becomes this competition like, well, how much are you making versus how much am I making? And it, it really is not about the value of the person. And societally, you know, we need to understand that. LeBron James is not worth, you know, like the work that he's doing there. I mean, he's it, it that's our society having a totally tweaked out sense of what's important in our society and that's us overemphasizing entertainment rather than teachers or you know these mm-hmm. people that that make huge sacrifices for the next generation. But anyway, helping them to understand that the money that you make is a reflection of the value of your work. And as the value of your work increases, the money that you make is going to increase. But your worth as, as, a, as a boy, as a teenage kiddo, as a man is not tied to the money that you make. That's going to be one that you probably have to teach that one over and over and over because it's, it's one of those that is, like Chris said, there's so much societal pressure that says that your worth and, you know, really any status that you have is tied to how much money you make. And and if you think about it, that then is what boils down to comes back to having a wrong view of money because we have, we have changed it out for something else. It's how money ends up being an idol, a god even, because we uphold it to a standard of value, of worth. And that is a that is a worldly construct. That's not a biblical one. Yeah. Okay. So maybe another topic for us to just briefly touch on. We've talked about, you know, now once they start earning money, what do you do? Well, when it's time to spend money, I think that's another important opportunity. And um, do we get to talk about mean things that we've done? Like, like what? Well, so I think of, so one of the things we did when they wanted to spend their money is we were trying to teach them the difference between want and need. Mm. So we definitely did that. Like when there was something that they wanted and we would even kind of throw out there, like if it was a need, 
as your parent, we're going to take care of your needs. Yep. Okay. You know, if you need socks. Okay. Now, if you want those one <laughs> elite, socks. Elite el- socks. Yeah. Elite socks that are like super fancy or whatever. I'm like, well, that's not a need anymore. <laughs> but, but we helped them to kind of make that distinction in their brain. Is this a need or is this a want? And then if it was a want, we didn't necessarily say that was bad, but we made them and it was different for the situation, the age and the kid, but we would make them wait a certain period of time on that want. Because sometimes the things that you want right there at the store, you know, and standing in that toy aisle is kind of different two weeks later when you're doing something else. So, and it's kind of a way to, to also teach your kids some delayed gratification. Some of our kiddos needed more help with this than others, you know, of being able to teach that that's actually, it's actually valuable to see. Do you still want that thing in a month? I remember there was times that just as parents, you kind of get that, that check of like, ooh, they kind of need to sit on this a little bit. And so sometimes it would just be a week, but there's been times we've also said, uh, you know what? let's give this 30 days and then let's revisit this and see if you still want that thing. Yeah, that one came from my dad. I remember that as a kid when I would really, really want to do something and he would say, okay, let's wait 30 days. And if you still want to do that in 30 days, then I'll take you down there and we can do that thing or whatever. And it's, you know, when you're that age, you're the things that you want to do, the things that you desire changes so rapidly. And so I think that can really that, that can help a lot. Another thing that we did, which now, again, we're going to put in our, wow, Chris and Amy are crazy parents, to help separate the want from the need. Like Amy said, we provided the needs. Like mm-hmm. if, if this is a need, we're going we're gonna to cover that. But if it's a want, then I created this like percentage scale. It was a sliding scale. And I can't remember what age it started. It was probably like around seventh grade or something like that. It might have even been younger, hun, but somewhere around there. Anyway, where if it was a want that they had, then they could know that I would pay for a portion of that thing and then they had to pay for the rest of it. And the older they got, the higher the percentage they had to pay. Mm -hmm. So like at the early, you know, whatever it was, sixth, seventh grade, it was like they were paying, you know, like 10% of it. But by the time they're a senior in high school, they're paying like, 80% of it. And this applied for a lot of different things. Camps. Yep. Camps that they wanted to do. And so it made it a responsibility for them to, you know, earn money that they saved up so that they could do these things that they wanted to do. And we've just learned too, and I'm sure many of you out there are the same, kiddos and probably adults too, but we need ownership and stuff. Mm -hmm. And in, in our day where we are really blessed. I mean, we just, there's a lot that we have access to. There's a lot of things that, that even if you're drive one car, you're already way above the rest of the world as far as the, the wealth that we, we have. And so it's really great to just to kind of teach that principle of some ownership of things. Now, it's not to say that when it says it was 10% on the wants or, you know, 20, 30s, it got older. It wasn't a blank check. It wasn't like we were going to authorize that for the most yeah. nonsense thing we've ever heard of because we've heard a few. <laughs> but but if we felt like it was a, okay, I can see how that would be a, a cool thing and, you know, or it was a camp or something like that that would be really beneficial or something like that, then we would kind of go in on that. But especially for our kiddos, but I actually think it's probably just a human thing. You need to have a little bit of buy-in on that. Yep, definitely. So something that when they start earning money and and again, kind of thinking outside of just in the home, this is going to be from work. And I think this could start at 12, 13, 14 years of age, somewhere in that range, depending on the kiddo. There are opportunities for boys to work at that age. If parents, you've done a good job raising your kids in the ages leading up to that, teaching them how to work with tools and how to understand the right tool for the right job. And I would point you back to the first podcast that we did because if they understand those things, then they can bring real value to someone in in a, a job capacity, even at an age as young as 12 or 13. And, you know, they're not going to be able to go get a job at McDonald's, but they can absolutely be doing yard work, housework, whatever for 
friends and neighbors. I know for our boys, that looked like really my parents' friends were, you know, they were at that age where they were looking for another set of hands to help them. Maybe they were lifting heavy things or whatever. And so our oldest began doing that. And then as he got to an age where he started doing different jobs, like, you know, more formal traditional jobs, well, he passed all those uh, people down to his younger brother. And then Caden was doing that stuff. And then when he got to that age where he was getting more traditional job, he passed those down to Brennan. So there's a great opportunity there for them to start earning money and understanding how to save money and spend money and tithe and all those things at a younger age than you might think. And I will say sometimes I hear on this one, I'll hear moms say, well, my kid's not really interested in those kinds of things. <laughs> they they don't really they don't really like to do yard work or they don't really well this is a, actually a really great opportunity to teach your kids that lots of times work is not something that you love and actually the goal of life this might rock some of their worlds is not happiness it's actually not for you to just be you know blissfully happy and com- filling you know being completely fulfilled in all the things that you do in every task that's just not that's not life. And and it helps our kiddos get a sense of contentment when they realize that that that's actually not an expectation, that they're to be just blissfully happy in all the things that you do. Now, that might sound ridiculous. Like, of course, Amy, they're just going to do work that they don't want. But you'd be surprised. There are folks that actually, if it doesn't make their child happy, then they will shy away from it. And they will be like, oh, well, I don't want to make them do that because, you know, then they're not going to be they're not going to be happy. No, that that's actually, you might want to look for some things that maybe are not your kiddos thing and have them show some endurance. Because one of the things that I've loved so much about watching our kids do jobs that they have not liked doing is that that sense of completion of a job well done. And I think we probably talked about this a little bit in the work one too, but that's such a great thing to teach your kids of how amazing it is to look at something that, you know, those before and after pictures, everybody loves a good before and after picture. But having your kids have that sense of that uh, sense of accomplishment that they've done that. And I think it might even have a more value on it if it's something that they didn't just, you know, love that they were doing every second. Yeah. Yeah, for our boys, I think if they were here, they would probably say umpiring baseball fell into that category. Yeah. That was, that's that's hard work. And, and you get yelled at. And, and it's, yeah, it's not necessarily hard, like physical labor. I think the yard work probably takes the cake on that one over umpiring, but it's risky work. Mm-hmm. You're out there and for all to see, you're calling balls and strikes. And, and you, you make mistakes in front of people. Yep, and, and the adults are mad at you. And that's a challenging one. But hot tip parents, they, they can make good money doing it. <laughs> and it's one of the few jobs I know that 14? You can, yeah, you can you do can it at a younger age. You can start at 14. Yeah. And they get to pick their schedule. So anyway, that's a yep. sideline, but yep. it was a good, good way to go. It was a good one. The other thing that I think is important for us to to help our kids with is the notion of budgeting. And this is where I would talk about passage in Luke, Luke 14, 28, where Jesus says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. So helping your kids, this is going to probably come when they get to an age, it's probably going to hit somewhere in the, you know, 15 years old or so, where they start wanting multiple things and the price tag is a little bit higher on those things. They're going to want a cell phone. They're going to want, you know, 16, they're going to want to be driving and there's the, there's gas money to think about and, you know, whatever the activities that they want to be involved in. Oftentimes school activities can sometimes have a cost associated with them. So helping them to sit down and go through that, a very basic rudimentary budgeting process is so helpful where you just say, okay, let's list out all of the things that you want to do and what they cost. And a lot of times it'll be like, well, I don't know, it's like this much, or I don't remember exactly how much it is. Okay, we'll find out. Go research, figure out how much these things are. Let's start filling in these blanks so that we know exactly what the cost is going to be. And 
you can start to kind of do it by month even. Well, you know, in the summertime, you're going to have these expenses from, you know, this camp that you want to do or, you know, this sport that you want to do or whatever. You know that, you know, when the winter comes around, maybe they're going to want to go skiing or, you know, whatever the activity is that they're into. And you can help them to think through what the cost is for those things. And then once they have that number, then we can say, okay, so now if you need to, if you, if you want to spend this much money, then that means that you're going to need to earn this much money. Because remember, we've got the first 10% is going to go to the Lord. And then we've got to set aside another percentage for savings. And then we get to spend what's left over. And really helping them to go through that math is such a huge life skill for later in their life. And again, this is just a super basic thing. It can get a lot more complicated when they're in their 20s. But if you've helped them lay the foundation of, okay, if I want to do something, I need to first count the cost of it. The thing is, can you imagine, and I'm sure many of you have experience or you can think of people, but if there are, if someone who didn't have any experience in doing this at all, and then they just get married, you know, I don't know what the percentage is now. It used to bounce back and forth between one and two, that the biggest reasons for divorce in this country was finance stuff, you know, stress related to it or whatever. And, you know, what all the host of reasons behind those financial traumas that lead to that are, I don't know, but I would be willing to bet that a big piece of it is just in folks that just didn't learn how to actually have good budgeting, have some good common sense with some of these things. And I'm not trying to make that sound condescending because perhaps they just didn't learn, but that's fine. Today's the day. <laughs> we get an opportunity to to teach our kids and even if it's even for us to start doing things differently and set a, a different path for our families that I think could be really important. It's one of those, it's like you could, I mean, Chris would verify this, budgeting night for our family, <laughs> Ames' least favorite thing. <laughs> Ames Lee's favorite thing. Like, oh my goodness, I can't. When we were first married, so Chris loves Excel so much. Chris loves Excel, and and we had a pretty like very strenuous budgeting process, did we not? Well, yeah. Yes, we did. Involved. We actually had categories for paper towels, and we had we've joked about this over the years. Okay, I have matured <laughs> a bit since then. But the thing is, it's that we don't do that as much now. But it actually was really good because I did not grow up with parents that talked about money. To be honest, I really hadn't thought about that stuff very much. And so while it was kind of painful for me to sit there and be like, oh, my goodness, I need to think about the hairspray I buy and where that's going to go and things like that. I actually think it was a really good season of life for us because I think it set me up to just just view those things and then in turn be able to teach the kids to really be able to think about all the stuff you know that goes into those decisions so but I I, I was horrible I'm sure in the early years for marriage but what he would do is we would have pizza night we would we it would be a non-cooking night and he'd he'd bribe me with pizza <laughs> and be like aim we're gonna do the budget tonight and 25 years later, I you just do that and you're like, I don't actually sit down and do the budget with you as much. But it's so good. And especially if you're in those early years of marriage, I think it's really important for everybody to be on the same page with things like that. We've also seen this, you know, even with people that were married for years and years and years. And one, you know, the husband did the finances and, and that was awesome. Uh, I mean, he took that responsibility really seriously, but didn't have his wife walking alongside and, you know, he tragically passes away or something. And then you have no idea what's what you don't know where anything is. So we've we've talked about that, too. Mm -hmm. um, you don't really as a spouse want to be in the dark on those things either. So, you know, the Bible's clear that that men are to be the head of the household. Mm -hmm. And so that means a lot of things that we've talked about and that you've talked about on this podcast spiritually and, and you know, emotionally and those kinds of things. But it also means financially. And so if we're going to raise men, they need to understand how to manage their household financially, especially in a day in our culture that is so immediate gratification. And here's your credit card and just go buy whatever you want and you can figure it out later how you're going to pay for it. 
we need to teach our boys how to lead the family financially. And, and that means they need to understand how the financial system works, but it also means they need to be able to put together a budget so that they can lead their wife and their families through, can we afford to take this vacation? Or can we afford to buy this car or, you know, go out to eat for the fourth time this week or whatever? You don't want your kids learning that lesson after a terrible run of credit card bills have been racked up and now they're saddled with debt for the next seven years. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share our crazy thing that we do to help them learn budgeting, like when they're in high school and with the bills? Yeah, I touched on this earlier about the importance of understanding what things cost. And this was an idea that I came upon with my oldest when he was a sophomore in high school. Man, that's a big year, sophomore year, because you get your license, you start driving, which suddenly means that they can go places and do things and they can spend money. And, and so helping them to begin to make that transition from, you know, boyhood to adulthood, that's a great age to start broadening their horizons to the things that over the next 10 years are going to become a central part of their lives. And so get ready, but this is what I do for their entire sophomore and junior year. They are responsible for paying the bills. Now, I don't literally mean funding the payment of the bills, but going through the process of paying the bills. And I sit right next to them at the beginning and, you know, we, we talk about all of these things. But, you know, after six months or so, they kind of get it down and they understand and the great thing that comes from that is they start not only understanding what things cost, like they get a sense for, you know, how much the electric bill is or whatever, but I'll never forget the first time Evan coming to me and saying, oh my goodness, dad, look at the electric bill. What happened? <laughs> and I was able to say, you want to know what that is? That's the air conditioner. Yeah. When you run the air conditioning, that's what happens. And, you know, or, or, I mean, countless conversations like that. And it's great because by having them do it for that length of time, if you don't want to do two years, one year, I think is absolutely essential because then they're going to see everything. They're going to see the auto insurance bill that only comes once every six months or whatever. And it gives you a great opportunity to talk to your son about the concept of insurance mm -hmm. and, and auto insurance and what's liability coverage versus comp versus collision and what's a deductible and all of these things that they are going to encounter as an adult, but they probably aren't going to get it from you if you don't teach it to them or the concept of life insurance, or a mortgage, or loans in general, or a credit card, and how to be responsible with that, or taxes. I mean, all these things, if you think about it, you can touch on every one of those just by paying bills. Medical bills, when they come in, I mean, there's just, there's so many life things that you can teach your boys by having them go through paying the bills. Now, I'm sure many of you are quite stunned at how crazy we are here. <laughs> but I actually want to back up on this because I actually think there's something even here that is in line with acknowledging that your husband is the head of the household and that he makes decisions on these things. And I also want to tell you gals that when he first came to me with this idea, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> because because when he's saying like he's understanding the consequences of this, he's understanding that, you know what, if they are late on a bill, which guess what? They were. Our credit score will go down. That and it happened, did. yep, multiple yeah. times. It was absolutely realizing that. And so in my brain initially, I, I'm just you know, uncovering how I felt about this. I was like, no, this, this isn't going to work. This is going to be terrible. But this was Chris's call. And, and, and this is one of these things, gals, that I think that sometimes your husbands may have an idea. Now I'm, you know, four or five years down with how this has gone. And, and I see the wisdom that has been in this. But I will say initially when I heard that, I was like, I wasn't so sure about this. Gals, submit to your husbands. 
you know, it, this and this is unto your own husband. You might have share an idea with your husband and he might be like, no, I don't want to do that at all. I want to do this. See, then you need to do that. But I, I do want to caution us gals because sometimes we think about things and we see all of those consequences down the road and we get a we get just mom-like. We get our little helicopter sense, whether it's over your credit score or whatever. But if that's something that your husband wants to do with your kids, man, you need to go that direction and you need to submit to that. And I just get to be on the other side of this little situation, seeing the blessing of it. And it has been a blessing. Not only did he teach our kids to budget well, what, how, where money goes and all that kind of stuff, but he also instilled a relationship between him and our boys that they they know to, they can always go to dad with questions about money. And if dad doesn't know the answer, he helps them research where they can go and get it. But it, it actually even did a really cool thing, I think, in between with his relationship with the boys. And that's something that we hope continues, you know, into their 30s and later in life that they know they can they have a good relationship with that. So I think maybe the last thing for us to touch on here is we've talked about kind of the philosophical and the practical I do think that there is a spiritual side to money and finances as well. And, you know, we talked about how the love of money is the root of all evil. I think about a parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 12, verse 16, which says, and he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Ultimately, what we want is our boys, our kids to be rich, but rich toward God, not wealthy with lots and lots of money. In fact, the accumulation of wealth for the sake of accumulating it is not a biblical idea. It's, it's, a, it's a horrible idea, in fact, and this parable illustrates that, I think, perfectly. So our job is to help our kids have a right relationship with money. Understand it is super important, and some of the worst decisions in life are related to money. And so, especially for men, they've got to be prepared for these decisions that they're going to have to make and the temptations that are going to come along with them, whether it be to get in over your head with a particular purchase or whether it be to do something dishonest because you, you just want to make that little bit extra money or to you know not pay taxes because I just don't have the money or whatever, man, huge mistakes can get made. And so that's super important. But ultimately, we want our kids to be rich toward God and helping them to understand that first and foremost, we need to be pouring ourselves into the things that will matter for eternity. Where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. And so we need to treasure things of the Lord, things with eternal worth, eternal value. That has to come first. Mm -hmm. And the financial stuff that we talk about, it's really important, but it's really important for like 80 to 90 years. But the other stuff, that's going to go on for millions of years, right? Eternity. And that's the stuff that, that they need to be prepared for. We just don't want bad decisions financially to take them out in this life. And yeah. so that's why we want to prepare them for that. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up, I just want to give hopefully a little bit of encouragement because some of you might be listening to this and, you know, I'll say first to the, maybe the younger mom camp of maybe you're in that thing that you're like, well, my kids are just too young for some of this. I would be really prayerful about that and and think about even maybe if they aren't earning money yet, what scripture can you point them to? We put all of these scriptures in the in the notes of the podcast. You can pull the, these up and maybe they're just even the Bible stories and the scriptures that you can share and start implanting these things in their brains early. 
and talking about the Lord's heart and talking about the things about being rich towards the Lord. That's huge. But also if you're in that camp of like, oh, maybe I actually they are old enough for some of this stuff and I just haven't done it yet. You know, think about those things and how you can actually do that. But also I think about the moms and this goes for single moms as well as moms that do have a dad in the household, maybe some of these just lessons haven't happened. Maybe you're like, oh man, my kids don't know how to use tools or my kids don't know things about money and it's it's too late. You know, my, my kid's 16 and it's just too late. No, it is it's not. never too it late. It is not too late. And I want to encourage you, you know, I love that passage in Joel that talks about that he will restore what the locust has eaten. Please don't don't hear things like this because the enemy would like you to hear something like this and go, oh, you can't do that. You know, you can't give your kids a right understanding and the Lord's perspective on that. You, you don't know the scriptures well enough. You're not smart enough in money. You can't do that. That is what the enemy would tell you. But that's not what the Lord's heart is on these things. And especially if you are purposing in your heart to be raising up godly biblical kids the Lord is going to bless you in that pursuit. So I just want to encourage you that it is not too late. And maybe practically what that looks like, if you're a single mom and you don't have somebody in the house that's like, I don't have a clue what to do with these tools, reach out to the church. Find a, a find a dad, find somebody within the church that would take your kiddo for a Saturday and do some garage boot camp and just make some time in the schedule that they can spend some time learning some of those things or from a grandfather or an uncle or some anything like that. Or if it's just you and you just haven't made the time for those things because, man, it feels like sports just fell up all the weekends. I get that. And there are all those seasons. But summer's coming up. And that's a great time to be able to take some weekends and go, you know what? We are going to have a finance 101 weekend. And yet the kids will groan. But moms, you are clever. You can come up with creative ways and you will not regret it. And it can be just such a blessing for your kids. And it can't even be something that's fun. But I think it will show your kids too how much you care about them, even doing well in these things. And I think it could be a huge blessing. So think of creative ways that you can do that, but don't get discouraged that you haven't done it enough or you haven't done it enough early because, you know, Chris and I can point to many things that we can be like, man, wish we had done this, wish we had done that. But instead, let's just look at the things that the Lord has given us to do. Anything to end on there, honey? I, I just, I so agree with what you're saying. I remember when we were first married, I was going to be a CPR instructor. And I remember going through the training for that. And something that they said in there has always stuck with me. One is, even if you do CPR badly, <laughs> the chances of survival for that person are so much higher than if you did no CPR at all. Great point. And the exact same thing applies for parenting. Even if you do it badly, talking to them about these topics, finances and whatever, the chances that they're going to get it are so much higher than if you don't do it at all. So let's just take the pressure off. Just mm -hmm. go for it. Even if you do it badly, it's okay. It's better than doing nothing at all. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Well, there you go, gals. That is Raising Men the finance edition. I don't know what else we have up our, our sleeves about this. I do hear from you guys that you guys would like to hear another kitchen table apologetics, which a spoiler will probably happen here in the closet also, not at the kitchen table, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we can come up with with that. So with that, we will catch you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AV Creek Christian Fellowship in Westland, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at apcreek.com.